Hello and welcome to the Celestial Podcast, the Doctor Who podcast hosted by Joey Morgan. Today I am here with Jacob Licklider. Hello. Uh, Lord Slar. Hi up. And uh, what, the Sentinel now, right? The Sentinel, yep. a.k.a. Marcus yep. Cotton. Hello. And um, yeah, so welcome to the Celestial Podcast. Um, I'm very unprepared for today, but here we go. Um, today we're discussing the Companion Chronicles from Big Finish, Series 1, this being Frostfire, Fear of the Daleks, the Bluetooth, and the Beautiful People. Um, I guess spoilers, because I don't think we'll be, we have any need to hold back or anything. Um, I mean, come on, they've, they've been out for like, what, 12 years? I think, oh, yeah. I think we can spoil them. Um, and then, uh, oh, and also, before we begin, as always, um, we're going to throw out the rest of the episodes for the rest of the year. I think there's only like one or two spots left open. I honestly can't remember. Um so you'll see those uh, right now for the rest of the year. That is July through December's episodes of, this, of the Celestial Podcast. Um, I'll leave my Twitter linked in the description. You can message me there. Um, and, Why are uh, any of those? I mean, I don't even remember what I signed up for. <laughs> uh, yeah, you're uh, you're on next month's actually. Yeah, if, oh, if I, oh, fair enough. Yeah, if I recall, I think in your last video it said the only one left open was the Cat's Cradle one. And no, <laughs> I feel like all the VNA ones are just going to be me and Jacob. <laughs> Probably. Unless it's Iceberg, I haven't read it. Alright then. And I only have two Doctor Who novels and I'm still in the middle of the first one. Alright then. <laughs> ah, this is great. I've, I've chosen a great main topic for my channel, haven't I? With the novel adaptations. Yeah, I mean, so th there's one thing going for Doctor Who, that's very niche. But then you go for classic Doctor Who, that's fucking niche as fuck. And then... Uh, sorry, I'm really going by on the swearing. Uh, but <laughs> and then you go an even more like niche section with bloody VNAs. <laughs> I mean, read that about a total of like what, uh, twelve people? Oh fuck off! <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I've liked them. I've read a couple, but you know, even You've I was like really into this. You know, <laughs> I haven't read many of them. It, it, it's a great series. More people should give it a chance. It's wonderful. Just um... just ignore Time Worm Genesis because. Oh, and Cat's Cradle Witchmark. That oh, yeah, just, that too. That one can die in a hole. And the pit. Um, look, can we stop naming bad ones? We're going to make people more apprehensive to these things that, than they yeah, already okay. are. Yeah, um, go on. Read the VNAs. Read Time of Genesis. That'll really get you. <laughs> or listen to the audio adaptations. Yes, oh. yes. Oh, oh, we can start right now. All right, here we go. So be sure to listen to the Doctor Who novel adaptations. Um, by the time this episode comes out, uh, the trailer for Doctor Who Revelation uh, will be coming out in a week when, by the time this comes out. That'll be June 15th. Uh, Revelation's six-part weekly release begins on July 6th. Um, and yeah, Welcome uh, to and, Adverts the Show. Yeah. And uh, and then, of course, we have three novel adaptations that are already out being Genesis, Exodus, and Apocalypse, the Time Worm saga so far. And that'll end about mid-August um, with the final part of Revelation. So anyway, I've, um, I've, stopped, I've stopped enough. Uh, let's jump right into our first story today, Frostfire by Mark Platt. Um, anyone want to give opening thoughts on this one? I mean, I can if you like, because obviously I'm the big Hartnell fan here. All right. I don't know. I, well, I don't know about Marx's opinion, but I don't mind. Yeah, so Frostfire, the first of the Companion Chronicles. And uh, this first series is often a bit more experimental than... Well, I mean, a lot of Companion Chronicles are experimental, but this is experimenting a lot, like, quite a lot, just to kind of, you know, really teeth the format. And Frostfire, I feel, is the kind of format they tended to use for most of the earlier Companion Chronicles, where it'd actually be, 
somebody telling a story to another character in the story. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that, that part's interesting-ish, but I, I don't know how keen I am on that. But at the same time, the story itself, that the story they tell uh, in the Frost Fair, which is something that Doctor Who seems to keep on doing stories on, is brilliant. Uh, it's a really nice little tale. Uh, I mean, it's nothing that's going to really blow your socks off, but it's just got such a great atmosphere. I don't know about you, but when I first listened to it, which was actually on a fairly warm day, I felt cold inside. It really managed to give you that feeling of bitter chills going through you. I haven't explained this badly, but you get what I mean. I get what you mean. Um, you bring up an interesting point that um, uh, that all of the all of the stories in this are kind of, except for the beautiful people, all of the stories in this are a companion telling a story to someone else, and they're all at very specific points in, yeah. in the timeline. They 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 the, each story makes up makes a point to um to bring up where in the timeline they take place, um, specifically with fear of the Daleks and uh, the Bluetooth. Yeah. But. Uh, but yeah, it is an interesting format, and I kind of enjoy it. Although it works sometimes of... better than others. Uh, they don't do it as much later on in the Companion Chronicles, but it does have a few times where I think it really works. I think it works best when it's in a trilogy, so then you can actually develop the the storytellers, which yeah, I think is the probably Sarah best than the Sarah yeah. Kingdom trilogy, yeah. Because yeah. there's actually a lot of plot development, and it linking very much into the, the plots of what is told, if you're paying attention. Mm-hmm. I think what I like most about this is um, is it finally brings up a, a part of uh, the, the first Doctor timeline that I was always particularly keen to, to learn more about, and that is what does Vicky do post Mythmakers? Because it's such a it's such a quick and easily the most no second most forced of the first Doctor's companion eggs. It's um, second second only to Dodo. Um, <laughs> but uh, but but I've always quite wanted a, to learn more. <laughs> distant seconds. <laughs> Um, and it was interesting because you we don't know much about why Vicky left, um, or well, we know why Vicky left, but you know it's it's very it's very sixties. It was very like, oh yeah, we need to come up with an exit for Vicky. Let's write this in. Um, and so it's interesting to get more inside Vicky's head um, and and really get behind how she feels uh, post Mythmaker segment and and being stuck in a like ancient civilization with no technology. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah, honestly, they did, they did a good job with what they were given, like uh, trying to tell Vicky post Mythmakers. But it's difficult because it was a really shit exit, which doesn't really make any sense. I mean, come on. If you were from not even our time, but actually in the future with better technology, no way would you want to live in ancient times, even if you loved somebody from there. Mm-hmm. And even as she talks about it in the story, her reaction doesn't seem as severe as you think it would be. Yeah, yeah. It just, you um, just get, now that's one kind of criticism of the story, which isn't the story's fault necessarily, but it is a problem that I just don't buy that she would have stayed there at all. And this story doesn't really sell it to me, which isn't necessarily the story's fault, but it's still a problem. Yeah, I think I think it does do a better job of of justifying Vicky's exit, um, but still, you know. It's it's not a story you could do much with outside of what you're given. Um, it does a great job of sympathizing Vicky, you know, how alone she feels um, uh, after she's left the Doctor. Uh, because with, with the first Doctor was a place that she very much felt she belonged, and um, and it great and it brings me to my next point. Um, I love the I love Maureen O'Brien's narration when she's talking about the story that she's telling in this. Um, 
you could very much tell she's a character reminiscing about a really happy time in her life, um, while at the same time telling an, uh, a nice, interesting story. Yeah, it kind of comes across as a grandmother telling a fairy tale. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And is this like the, I think this might be the only one that we actually explore Vicky post the Doctor. Yeah, I think this is the only yes, one. Yes, it is. Yeah, I don't think All of the other else. ones are, even when they have interactions outside of the story, they're all set when she's still with the Doctor. Like, for example, the, um, the suffering. Uh, it's them recording it uh, in the TARDIS mm-hmm. for some weird reason. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, so as far as, like, a basic attempt to, to expand upon a really weak area of Doctor Who lore. Um, I think it does the job well enough, but but it's not some. But Vicky's exit in the Mythmakers isn't exactly something that you can fix with an hour-long story. No, you kind of need a bit more. But yeah, just outside of uh, that part of the story, going to like the main meat of it, uh, it's it's one of those ones which just. A great little atmospheric story with some good historical elements. Like, it, it, it's Companion Chronicles often do a really good job of immersing you in the atmosphere, despite the fact that there's only one or two actors. Uh, mm-hmm. And I feel that this is the one which really set the benchmark for that. And a lot of the best Companion Chronicles kind of draw a lot from this of how to build the world they're in. Mm-hmm. And the, the cinder is such a fun idea with like the idea the whole idea that it's essentially stuck in a time it's a phoenix literally stuck in a time loop like yeah it's, the cool, way the story it's a cool little idea and i can't here we although go. i will say in the companion chronicles vicky vicky becoming possessed has became a bit of a cliche after <laughs> this story yeah that's true that's true although i don't think it really possessed her i think it just hid in her well, I mean, like, she demanded to take the egg because of, um, you know, it kind of have it manipulating her mind, I believe. Is that right? I mean, I haven't uh, heard the story in about a year or a year or two. Yeah, I think, yeah, that was what happened, right? Uh, yeah, no, yeah, it was one of the other characters, um, the rich man's wife that was compelled to take the egg. Cause oh, yeah. She tried yeah. to get to Vicky and it frightened the hell out of her. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. Yeah, I stand corrected. There we go. Um, uh, I do want to bring up, uh, now that we bring up the Cinder, um, Keith Drinkle is his name. Has he been in anything else? I don't I think him? so. He's really good. I really like, he, he does a great job of bringing a really minor and one-off character to life. Um, yeah, I just like his performance. It's kind of fun. So anyway, dead air time. Yay, okay. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> I also bring um, up that just this is sort of a statement on all four. The direction for all four of these feels weird. Much like the stories themselves, I think the direction is also very experimental. Yeah. I, I definitely feel that with the other stories, especially the Bluetooth and the Beautiful People, but I didn't feel it so much with this one. Hmm. I thought this one was more in the style of the rest of the Companion Chronicles. I, it's, I, 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 yeah, personally, I, it, for me, I feel like the Companion Chronicles definitely went more on this route than it, uh, it did the other Companion Chronicles. I, yeah. think, uh, I think this one and the Bluetooth most feel like the later Companion Chronicles. Yeah. Um, 
this one a bit more but yeah i think yeah this one get the, this one in the bluetooth i think get down the sort of atmosphere and 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 the, and the narration style i think um nothing against uh obviously wendy padbury and lala war but like their narration styles in fear of the daleks and beautiful people don't really uh stick with the rest of the with the rest of the range I'll save my thoughts on that for when we yeah, get to... Yeah, I'm definitely going to have to save my thoughts on that for beautiful people. I've got something to say about that. Yeah. Um, so, I guess there's not too much more to say. I guess let's jump into ratings out of 10 for Frostfire. Um, Dylan? Oh, probably give it an 8. All right. Uh, great atmospheric story, yeah. Yeah. Um, 7. 7? All right. Jacob? Uh, I'd give it a 9. There's... Oh! <laughs> it's, it's, it's really good. It just... I think it just falters in some weird places. Uh, uh, which and places would that be? Uh, out of interest, Jacob. Mainly, mainly just the direction for it feels off, and there's some just weird timing issues that is some lines feel like they were edited together poorly. Uh, I don't. Hmm. I, I I never thought that. I actually really liked the direction. I I felt it really cultivated a great atmosphere. But you know, fair enough. And there, yeah, there were things about the story within the framing device that I really liked and. One thing I kind of had an issue with is, you know, in all these stories, every time the Doctor meets a famous author, the following adventure always inspires them. And I like that Frostfire didn't do it, but at the same time, it makes Jane Austen kind of feel superfluous. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. Although, just at the same time, yes, I'm glad they didn't do that. Yeah, like, how could you inspire, have the Doctor inspire Jane Austen? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm glad they didn't do it, but at the same time, it's like, oh, you were pointless. Yeah, all, all of these writers, they don't really have any good ideas that they come up by themselves. It's all the Doctor just telling them, yeah, why the doctor do was this? Just like, yeah. Nobody in human history is actually responsible for what they do. The Doctor fucking did it all. I mean, yeah. come on, guys, is that not clear? Yeah, about that? Yeah, that we are incapable of achieving anything. <laughs> we rely um, solely on that man slash woman. <laughs> so my rating out of ten is an eight. I agree with Dylan. So I guess that would make overall just the average rating an eight, um, which is a pretty good score. So anything else to add on Frostfire before we move on? No, well, I like that. You know we. The, the monster in question is a phoenix, but it's not, and to know everyone's disappointment, it's not Laura Collins. But Marcus, yes, you and I are the only ones who are going to get that reference. Oh, right. I, is that a Dark Shadow, Shadow yes. reference? Yes. It but, is. I'm moving the hell on. Okay, screw as, you all. All right. So, no, shut yeah, up. No, no, no. I hate you all. We're moving on to Fear of the Daleks by whoever the hell Patrick Tra Chapman is. Did he write anything I thought else? Nicholas Briggs did it. Wrote it? No, no. Nick Briggs did the Daleks in it, obviously. But yeah, some yeah. Patrick Tra Chapman wrote it. Huh. So this story's awful. I don't know. I don't know if I'd say it was awful. Uh, <laughs> it definitely feels like it was. Out of all the companion chronicles I've heard, it feels like the least tailored to be a companion chronicle. Yeah, it feels like it could almost just be like. It doesn't really build an atmosphere, and it doesn't really build the world very well. So, almost, what was the point in the narration? Yeah, yeah. And even then, like, Zoe as a character doesn't really act as a narrator that much in this. She really is yeah. just kind of... Descriptor is probably the better Cause, one. Cause Especially like, considering the sheer amount of exposition this story cause... has. Because Maureen O'Brien in Frostfire did did her narration still in character, but it was still it still felt like a narrated story. Wendy Padbury, when she's doing Zoe in this, and I think this is totally the script's fault, 
the, the um, Patrick Chapman just kind of kept writing the narrator in Zoe's character, and that felt a bit off to me. Yeah. Like, there are no, like, there's no, like, oh, yeah, this is an author. This feels like he could almost be a book, like, read to me. Um, Fear of the Daleks is just more of Zoe telling us a story. I mean, but, it, but, it, but it's a very early Zoe, so she doesn't have the the sort of wisdom that, say, Vicky or Liz have in, in this series. Although, one thing I will say, which I think is probably the cardinal sin, is if you think about all the best companion chronicles, through the sound design and script writing and great acting, they managed to really bring it a, a vision of what the world that they're in is like, a very vivid kind of vision in your mind. And all of the best companion chronicles do that, and this one doesn't even get close to doing that. I have no idea what the places they're in look like, in my mind's eye. It's just very bland. I just imagine bland space station, I think. Yeah, but, yeah and, then I... compare, and then compare that to the memory cheats, which is another Zoe one. In, I've not I have, heard that one. I've not heard that for three years, but I still have in my mind's eye what I imagined when listening to it, like the the mountains of Kazakhstan, all kind of very yellow and gristly. You know, it's still very much in my mind's or, eye or even, for this or long even because it was so well done. Stories that we're talking about today, they uh, they all have pretty good imagery, except this one. Yeah, uh, Frostfire. You you can imagine Victorian London. Uh, with in winter the beautiful people you can imagine this spacey fitness d- spa douglas adams type thing well kind of but we'll get onto that later and, and the like, bluetooth it's it's a unit story but there's some good body horror imagery um, mm-hmm. i think uh i i think this is just and i think it's, it is entirely down to the script which i'm now looking into it and patrick chapman wrote some Dan Dare for Big Finish and The Martian Chronicles. So, anyone heard any, Mar- any of those? I've, I've heard The Martian Chronicles was a was a failing of adapting Bradbury's work. Oh God! All right. So, I think, but I think overall, I think it's pretty obvious why you know patrick chapman never stuck as a writer you know he just he doesn't capture not only the companion chronicle atmosphere but i don't think he captures overall just what makes a a good doctor who story he's just kind of cramming something into the timeline and it's like okay cool this takes place in a time in a point in in the timeline where like you wouldn't imagine it to but it still doesn't really add much at all yeah it feels like he's more focused on the action than the world building yeah, and that, that is a, that is not what Companion Chronicles are about. That's why I love them. They're all about the world building. Yeah, and that I think build, uh, building is definitely building is definitely the key word I keep coming back to when thinking about the Companion Chronicles. Not only word, world building, but character, character building. building. Oh, you add on, even, you add on no, to the character he didn't even write any of those other things. He was just a producer on them. Oh shit! Really? Yeah. Oh my god! I just checked. He. <laughs> yeah, no, he wasn't the one. Yeah, well, he was just a producer. Wow. Well, did he write anything else? Because if this is the only thing he's written, slash first thing he's written, that would make a lot more sense. Uh, he's written, he's written some stories, some like non-who stuff, and some mm-hmm. poems. He's a poet. The, all right then. Huh. I do have uh, one uh, criticism to make of Fear of the Dogs, which is more specific to a part oh, of the oh, story. Only wait, only one. Well, yeah, but no, I'm talking about a very, very specific one rather than a general one. So, 
I don't know about you. What's the name of the the captain guy, the evil captain? Atrica. Yes, that's the one. When he kind of becomes good and a Dalek at the end, I thought that that was bollocks. You know, it came out of absolutely nowhere with no development for him to just go, okay, I'm nice now. And then, you know, he does all this self-sacrifice crap and becomes a nice person. Out of absolutely nowhere, there was no build-up to that happening at all. It, he was it just... feels like it was a, shit, I need to end this yeah. now. Um... Yeah, it's just like, he was an arsehole, and then because all of a sudden the Daleks are them, he, all of a sudden he's nice. And then the moment he dies, rather than saying, oh, that's a shame, a man just died. So he says, well, he was still a bit of a shit, wasn't he? was like, <laughs> he's just died! And you just could say, like, literally the moment after he disappears because he's gonna go oh what a fucking shit also also <laughs> zoe why zoe feels like she's written as about like a 12 year old <laughs> oh yeah seriously that's what i was saying earlier like, oh, well feels... technically zoe is 15 years old in universe at this point yeah but he, like it still it still feels immature because it doesn't feel like the same intelligent character from wheel in space i agree with that though yeah 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 like, yeah. I, like I'm, would maybe she, would maybe, she maybe ch- like that when yeah, like, seeing maybe... Evil, a, a projection of evil of the Daleks. Yeah, it's so weird because, like, maybe childish isn't exactly what I'm looking for, but yeah, I'd say, like, less intelligent. She's not exactly characterized very well in this. And again, no fault of Wendy Padbury's. It's entirely who the fuck yeah, Patrick it's, Chapman is. It's because <laughs> Patrick Chapman thinks that like, <laughs> Zoe hides behind the city while watching Evil of the Daleks in the TARDIS. It's a, it's like all it's like all Patrick Chapman was told was he, was he was like okay I've seen episode six of the Wheel in Space I know she's fifteen and she has seen a clip from Evil of the Daleks and she she barely even flinches at the Cybermen in the Wheel in Space though I'm pretty sure yeah it's like oh no not Daleks you know putting cut up bits of people who are trying to survive in like metal suits and trying to turn you into one of them that's fine but oh no a Dalek that's too far. A Dalek at a time in history where people probably know about the Daleks. Yeah, well, let's not get into the Dalek time. Like, it's not worth getting into the timeline in Doctor Who because it's all messed up since day one. Yeah, yeah. And um, one thing I noticed with this story is that all four of these stories, they don't focus on Doctor single companion duos. They're all various fams. You know, it's Stephen and Vicky, Jamie and Zoe, the unit family, Ramana and K-9. But even though... Each of these stories have a focus on one specific companions. The other companions still get something to do. James mm, I... is fucking useless in this story. <laughs> yeah, and they even point. poke fun at that at the end. Where it's like, oh, Jamie, well done. You managed to get us back. Oh, yes, I did that. <laughs> I think, I think that, that is an... one of the most useful companions the Doctor's ever had. That is an interesting point to bring up, though, that, like, yeah, they're they're focusing on, like, these larger groups that have traveled with the Doctor, or at least have, have had adventures with the Doctor, and they're almost trying to write, like, a full main range story as as a two-parter, because they're trying to get these other characters to do, thing, do things, even though they're focusing on one character. And I think the general problem with that is that they haven't fully figured out what the Companion Chronicles are supposed to be at that point. I think that they didn't do that with Frostfire. I think Frostfire was definitely more in the Companion Chronicle style, but for the other ones, yeah. And I f- although the beautiful people, I'd say it felt very much like a fourth Doctor adventure, but just as a Companion Chronicle. Mm, yeah, I but can we'll see get that. that later. Yeah. Yeah. So, I guess uh, ratings out of ten for Fear of the Daleks, uh, Marcus. Three. All right, uh, Jacob. Three. Uh, me as well. A three, Dylan. <laughs> Uh, I'm, I, I suppose 
I mean, I only heard it yesterday, so it's kind of difficult to come up with a solid conclusion. I've kind of, my opinions went down just by talking about this. It kind of made me realise, oh, it's actually worse than I thought. So I'll probably go for <laughs> four. <laughs> all right, well, most, mostly unanimous. Um, all right, well, we all seem to be in agreement for the Daleks is pretty bad. Let's move on to The Bluetooth by Nigel Fares. Can, um, can I start this one? I mean, sure, fine, whatever. It's not like the, it's not like Pertwee's my favorite doctor or whatever. Go okay, ahead. fine. No, 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 go ahead. No, no, go, go ahead. You know, you really want to. Mom says it's my turn to start first on the podcast. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. The title is a pun. Ha. Huh. <laughs> when, when did this? Also, also, th- also. Th- thanks for pointing that out, Jacob. No one could have figured that out by listening to the story. Yeah, but. It's 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 a pun, and I like oh. puns. But I think this uh, as a story, Nice Ferris really knows how to do Cybermen as body horror. Like, mm-hmm. let like let's be honest. Also, um, what was with the narration at the beginning from Liz? Okay, yes, this is my biggest problem with this story, and I know I'm kind of jumping in the gun. I'm bringing it up, but I know we were talking about this because we were in a voice chat a few days ago, Jacob. I was like. What is, yeah, like, what is with that? She has this whole opening bit about, oh, yeah, why did I leave the doctor? Well, I decided a long time ago, and here's the story of hell, and then that is never brought up again by the end of the story. Yeah, it, it that, is. Yeah, yeah, that's... It's so weird, because it's almost like, it's almost like Nigel Ferris started writing it, and he was like, okay, this is going to be the one where Liz leaves, and then Gary Russell came up to him, and he's like, yeah, but I already did that, and he's like, oh, shit. <laughs> and so he oh, just we... dropped it by the end. Um, also, Liz has some. It's Liz is. It's really nice to have stories from Liz's perspective, because of the way she sees everything. Like, yeah, I, I wrote that in my notes. Just as this, she's such a bitch, and I love her for it. <laughs> Liz Shaw, ladies and gentlemen. She also oh, clearly has Liz feelings for ASMR. She also <laughs> clearly has feelings for the woman who gets turned into a Cyberman. Yes, yes, this is true. Go on. Um, I don't, I don't know why. I've just I always hate the fuckers that are like, oh yeah, Liz is straight. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's weird to me. Um, I also <laughs> I, I think I I'd argue that also the weirdest thing about this for me is the format. Like, the as four ep- it's four episodes. Yeah, that it made it, oh, it, shit, it, made right. it kind of drag a little. Maybe yeah, same cool. with the beautiful people. It's yeah. it should just be two episodes. They work best as two episodes of Companion Chronicles. Honestly, if I was doing it, I'd just have it as one episode. I don't even see the need for having a break. Mm, because I mean, I, 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 could, I could see the two-part break easily being the Cyberman reveal. But then that's kind of weird because, you know, it's only a two-part story and it's Cyberman story. How the hell are you going to work with that? Um, but I could see the break being the reveal of the Cybermen and then have the second part be the rest of it. But yeah, it is. It is weird though. I also argue this is one of the few stories that effectively uses the Cybermats. I agree with that. Like, and this story is—it's basically Nightmare and Silver done correctly. Like, think about it. Well, I don't even like this story that much, but even comparing it to Nightmare and Silver is an insult. You see, it's funny. For my own comparison, I was thinking, this feels like it should be a part of the Cyber Invasion trilogy, you know, the Harvest, the Reaping, the Gathering. Oh, shit, you're right. You're not wrong. 
It does kind of feel like that. I mean, the storyline isn't similar whatsoever. I mean, the story's so, kind of similar, but the feel of it, as far as the Cyberman story goes, yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, but part of it feels kind of a bit like we need to have a third Dr. Cyberman story, so here's a third Dr. Cyberman story. Yeah, yeah I, I agree with I, that. I mean, that that's the motive behind a lot of third Dr. Cyberman stories. It's like, oh yeah, nobody's done a third Dr. Cyberman story before, <laughs> but at this point, uh, everyone's done a third Dr. Cyberman honestly, story I didn't before. I feel like this did anything really interesting with the Cybermen. And I felt that, honestly, as much as I like Cyberman's body horror, I felt like in this story it wasn't really warranted properly. Um, I didn't really feel it added much to the story. I, I, I disagree, but okay. <laughs> Anyone else? Anyone else, like, uh, any thoughts on that? Marcus? Um... Yeah, no, as the Cybermen, it was kind of standard, even when they tried to go at that last part with, oh, this was this cyber leader or whatever it was wasn't originally a Cyberman. He's this guy who stumbled across this ship. And yeah, I I feel like at that point it was just a little too little too late. I don't know. I think it works. Um, Personally, I don't know. Jacob? Um. I, I I enjoy it. It's enjoyable. The Cybermen are fun. I don't think it does anything special. Oh, I agree with that. Um... Which is much like a lot of Big Finish Cyberman stories, which frustrates me. Because there's so much potential to do things with the Cybermen. You have barely yeah, any stories. Especially, especially on audio, yeah. Yeah, I mean, um... like, what, the Reaping, the Silver Turk, Spare Parts. I mean, is there any other ones which are particularly good? The Gathering. Uh, I haven't heard the gathering. So. Gathering is excellent. That and well, I have, uh, I've heard the harvest. And I thought that was a bit crap. Uh, Legend of the Cybermen is really good. I, oh, that's I, true. That's I, good, I, but it's not good because of the Cybermen. The Cybermen, you know, you could be anybody. <laughs> Speaking of the Third Doctor, I also happen as and the Cybermen. I also happen to really like the Tyrants of Logic. I haven't heard it yet. Uh, nor have I. I've I've heard it's all right. I thought it was good, but I feel like. But isn't the Tyrants of Logic just another author, uh, just another writer going? Oh yeah, the Third Doctor and the Cybermen has never been done before. It's Mark Platt doing the Third Doctor and the Cybermen has never been done before. But this I, I, time, <laughs> it's full cast. It must be good because Mark Platt though. See, but not all Mark Platt stories are good. Oh come on, which Mark Platt story isn't good? The Skull of Sobek. The what you want? The Skull. Of Sobek. Oh, is that a book? Nope. It's an Eighth Doctor <laughs> Lucy Miller one. I think Dylan oh, okay. was about to roast you for fucking reading, and then you're like, oh, no. I was, <laughs> but you, you killed my raging hard on. And Planet of the Ronnie is kind of weak, as far as Mark's plat is. It's good, well, but it's just weak. Well, all the ones I've heard are good, so don't ruin my positive opinion of the man. <laughs> no, no, I honestly, he's only written one bad story, and that's The Skull of Sobek. The other one's I've heard, have been good. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Cat's Creator Times Crucible is a bit it forced, good. but whatever. It's, 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 I mean, you, only like it be- you only like it because Lung Barrow. Fuck off, Jake. It is good. You only like it because Lung Barrow. Shut up. Um, but anyway. Oh, also, another thing I wanted to bring up with, with the Bluetooth. Um, uh, Carolyn John is a really great narrator. Um, we're going to bring that up a lot in these Companion Chronicles reviews. Um, but I think she's just excellent. I mean, this specifically in the last post, um, she just does a great job of setting up she the She has the voice for it. Yeah, definitely. definitely. Doesn't she read the um, 
She has a very uh, the, rich voice. Yeah, doesn't she read the audiobook of the cave monsters? I think she reads the audiobook of the cave monsters. Uh, I'm I mean, not probably. sure. I know she's. Uh, I mean, I who know else she's read do it? it. Um, Let me see. Uh, she's yeah. She read Cave Monsters, Auton Invasion, and Inferno. Okay. Yeah. So basically, yeah, the three list the three list stories that were released before her sad passing. Yes. Yes. Um. Anyway. Uh. So yeah. Anything else to add on the Bluetooth? I really like the music in this story. Hmm, that's that's a good point. I like like it. I don't comment on music a lot because I'm not musically trained. So for me to really note it, it has to kind of stand out for good or bad. Hmm, definitely. Anything else, Jacob Dylan? I'm not a fan of this one. I I just find it a bit of a dull standard Cyberman story. It doesn't really shine to me. Hmm. Uh, All right then. And because of that, I'd like to hear you as our first rating out of ten, Dylan. Five out of ten. Huh. All right, then. Uh, Jacob? Eight out of ten. I enjoy it. It's good. It's not perfect, but it's pretty good. Marcus? Eight. Eight? I give it a seven. So, for the most part, mixed ratings. I'm surprised Dylan treats it so lowly. Hmm. I don't know. I just didn't really enjoy it that much. I've tried listening to it twice, because the first time I thought, oh, maybe I'm just not in the right mood, and then I tried listening to it again. It's just like, I'm just not getting into this. You know? Huh. That really surprises me, knowing you, huh? All right. Thanks. Yeah, because I love season seven and I love the Cybermen, but just yeah. get into this one. Hmm. Interesting, interesting. All right. Well, let's move into already our final story. Wow. Um, that is the beautiful people by the one and only Jonathan Morris. Um, this has an interesting style, uh, if I may be so bold to begin uh, this segment. Well, I mean, I, it's not really that interesting. It's just basically Graham Williams as a companion chronicle. Graham Williams Douglas Adams as a companion chronicle. Yeah, I agree with that. No, I mean the style more isn't... Uh, I, I'm going to bring up the four-part format again. Um, specifically that for, for seemingly no reason... Um, each one starts off with Lala Ward saying chapter. Chapter 1, 2, 3, and 4. Yeah. Uh, which I... I, I does, is, there, is there a particular reason as to why that anyone I cut off? I think it's because... I think it's because the Companion Chronicles was originally marketed as a series of talking books. I I thought it was as sort of a tie-in to Zagreus, because when we first see Ramana in Zagreus, she's dictating a book or something to K-9. Huh. May- hey, maybe. Maybe. Maybe, yeah, that's possible. Oh, huh, I never thought about that before. And well, what the, one, one positive thing I will say about it, though, is Lala Ward, I haven't actually heard a Companion Chronicle with her in yet, but she is one of the best companion chronicles narrators. She really, really puts a lot of emotion into every single line. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think she's a great narrator. And I think, um... <laughs> also, a little thing about Lala Ward as a narrator that I found really funny in this particularly is that she puts absolutely, absolutely no effort into trying to sound like Tom Baker because she just despises the man. <laughs> Although it's funny because uh, the script really manages to capture the character of the spirit of Tom Baker. Yeah, it's weird. Like she, well. she, yeah, she doesn't even need to like try to uh, to sound like Tom in order for that to come across. He, I could imagine Tom saying the lines, and, and it works surprisingly yeah. well. Yeah, well, so it's obvious, of these, it's obvious of that Jonathan first... Morris loves the Graham Williams and Douglas Adams era of the show. That's so interesting. Because hmm. I, I think a lot of his best stories are, are non-Fourth Doctor work. I agree. Well, that's because most Fourth Doctor ones are like, only 60 minutes long, and yeah, you can't really do as much interesting that much time. I really like the antimatter. 
Oh, I like the anti matter. Yeah, that one's fun. Um, it, it, Sorry, go ahead. Uh, yeah. One thing I will say about uh, Beautiful People is that out of all of the first series of Companion Chronicles, this is the one that manages to capture the character of the Doctor the best, but also has the Doctor the least in, because he, he fucks off to a fucking gift shop for half the story. <laughs> it's like, you were the best thing about yeah. this! <laughs> like how, But also, like I love that, because how much more Tom Baker can you get than him it's fucking good. off to a gift shop for half the story? <laughs> Oh, that was pretty good. I swear this story makes references to the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Oh, it does. It does. And like his story for being there, and later when he gives um Sibella Bing the towel. Mm -hmm. There are very few. There are very few writers I think that can so perfectly capture um the Douglas Adams style of humor um while still writing within his era. And um Jonathan Morris and I think him and Gareth Roberts are the two that immediately come to mind that do a really great job of Which is weird. Because Morris Morris wasn't chosen to novelize one of the any of the Douglas Adams TV scripts. Yeah. Two so far, hasn't there? They're, they've done all three they've done all three plus Cricket Men. And uh, the first I was thinking Shada and Cricket Men, so Yeah no Shada was done by uh Gareth Roberts. The rest were done by James Goss. Mm -hmm. Which, I mean, fair, Goss can write. I haven't read any of them, but he's just not what you come to mind when you think of adapting Douglas Adams. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Which is um, no slight on, on James Goss, because it's yeah. impossible. It's really Yeah, I mean, I mean, James Goss did, like, what, two or three of them, right? He, he, is... did, uh, he did, well, he did City, he did of, City Death. of Death, Pirate Planet, and Cricket Men. And he also yeah. helped write Scratch Man. Yeah, so... I mean, hey, good on him. Apparently, he has a knack for it, or well, either that, I, I or, either that, or he just produces really quick work. I don't know. Yeah, I, I just think the BBC trusts his work because he knows he always seems to be involved with all the BBC books. Now they obviously liked what he did and just thought, right, we'll just hire him from now on. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of that, that is kind of a shame too that they're not really branching out to anyone else. Um, I'm sure James Goss is at me. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, uh, Simon Gurrier does and, get a bit of work in these kind of things. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I do want to say that. For this kind of story, for what they're going for, Dame Karna is just a perfect villain. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Know, like, she's just the right amount of ham. You see, I kind of disagree. I didn't, wasn't... I mean, I don't know. It's probably just more my own taste. and I didn't really find this story that enjoyable. I, I like some of the Douglas Adams silliness, but I feel like this is one of those stories that goes a bit too far with it. And I actually... I actually I just found myself taking out the story. I didn't find the villain that interesting, and I found the message a bit, you know, contrived. It's like, oh, uh, beauty is only skin deep, or whatever. And it's just like, uh, you know, See, I've heard this message a million times before. It's such a generic, like, kind of uh, fiction message, you know? Now, I really agree with that, actually, because as much as I think this perfectly captures the Douglas Adams style of um, uh, of writing with Tom Baker and, and, and Lala Ward... I'm not a huge fan of it. Um, for as for as so as, for as greatly as it does capture that, I think that um, it's just my general distaste for that um, that take on Doctor Who as a whole. I still love Douglas Adams' humor. I love when people can capture it so well. Um, I think it's a bit more suited to uh, to non-performance work, i.e. Uh, uh, i.e. literary Doctor Who, um, with with the Gareth Roberts uh, 
Fourth Doctor and Romana novels. Well, you see, there I disagree. I actually preferred the silliness when, like, the kind of Douglas Adams silliness when it's actually on TV. Because obviously then you can have all sorts of visual gags and things like that. Oh, yeah. But I don't don't think this style at all works for a companion chronicle. I'm not too keen at it in the first place, but I can enjoy it a lot, especially on TV. But I I feel it does not work at all for the companion chronicle style. Yeah, see, I was bringing up, like, more a post-TV Adams-style humor, because yeah. because post-TV Douglas Adams' humor with for the fourth Doctor and Armana is never going to work because of the relationship that Tom Baker and Lala Ward have, unless they're, neither of them are in the story. And that's and that's where the written work uh, with those two uh, works really well. Yeah. That, 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 and that's my only complaint with um with the with the audio adaptation of Romance of Crime is that Tom it, it does capture the book really well but Tom Baker and Lala Ward are just not there. <laughs> um, I mean Lala Ward more so. Tom Baker is still Tom Baker. But anyway, um, I th- I think my other complaint with this is the only character that Lala Ward puts a specific voice on for is um. Shit, what's the name? The one of the characters. What is it? Bing. Oh, I thought you were going to talk about the talking about the robots, but no, yes, yeah, Sabella Bing. Yeah, that's the only one that she puts a voice on for, and like she doesn't try it with. And I get why she doesn't do it for the Fourth Doctor. Whatever, she hates Tom Baker. Fine, um, but she doesn't do it for K Nine either, um, which I find a bit odd. She doesn't like go into like any kind of higher register. She is a great narrator, but she just kind of reads it straight, which I find a bit odd. Yeah, and that's kind of been sort of what kind of pushed me away from the Companion Chronicles for so long is just I've tried audiobooks in the past and they've always kind of come off to me as very dry. Yeah, audiobooks it's, are hard it's, to get right. You you you, you, you don't always there. get people like Kramer and Redding or uh, Stephen Fry or say Jim Dale who yeah, are like, among some of the greats for audiobooks. Like the worst well, I, I, I kind of like dry audiobooks myself, but that's just me. I, I'm, I, it for me, it depends on the narrator. Like you could read it dry, but if you have only if you have the right voice for it, and if you don't have the right voice for it, you better be a goddamn performer. Um, that's how I see it personally. But whatever. So, any anything else to add on the beautiful people? My mind kept going to the one doctor on this one. Like it felt like this story wanted to be just nonsensical, like the one doctor is. But every time it stepped out, it kept holding itself back it felt like the difference is the one doctor is just bloody funny rather than trying to ape somebody else's humor yeah which is what i think makes this story maybe like there's some good jokes like the doctor you know fucking off to the gift shop for most of the story but (laughs) some of them like the the robots constantly going feel the band feel the band like i didn't find that funny or charming at all i just found it annoying and I think, I think, that's, the pro- I think that's the problem with just trying to ape somebody else's humor rather than just using your own humor. And that's why the one doctor is a brilliant and bloody hilarious audio. He's not trying to emulate anything. It's just being itself. Indeed. So I guess uh, with that being said, ratings out of 10 for the beautiful people. I'm foreseeing a couple interesting things with this. Uh, Jacob? Uh, I'd give it a seven. Seven. Uh, Dylan? I'd give it a six, because I recognize it's not a bad story at all. It's just not my cup of tea. All right. Uh, Marcus? Yeah, my talking about it, my rating actually went down a little bit. I'm going to give it a six. Oh, and I agree, a six. That's a bit more unanimous than I thought it would be. Um, so I guess the only thing left to do here, and I'm going to try to pad this out as much as possible, because we're only just about hitting 45 minutes now, um, 
I guess the only thing left to do now is give our rankings from least favorite to favorite of the Companion Chronicles Series 1. Who would like to begin? I'll go. All right, Marcus. So my ratings based on comparing the stories against each other, first of all. So number four, Fear of the Daleks. Ty, the beautiful people in Frostfire. Number one, the Bluetooth. Hmm, okay. Because I keep going um, back and forth on Frostfire and the beautiful people. Okay, so Bluetooth is your favorite, huh? That's interesting. Yeah. Huh. Um, all right. Uh, I guess we'll compare ratings more when we're done. Uh, Dylan? Far and away the favorite is Frostfire. That's brilliant audio, and it's definitely uh, the kind of format for the Companion Chronicles that got used the most and, for me, created some of the better Companion Chronicles, and it's, it's a brilliant one in its own right. Then after that, um, the blue uh, Bluetooth... Well, well, I've forgotten what rating I gave that. But whatever, Bluetooth or Beautiful People from Kansas, they're, they're both kind of ones that aren't particularly my cup of tea, but I don't think they're that bad either. And then definitely last is Fear of the Daleks, which is abysmally written, really. Uh, I mean, he clearly just had no idea what to do with the format. He isn't suited to do with the Companion Chronicles at all. And some elements of the story were just stupid. Like, uh, you know, bloody Captain Guy was like, oh, I'm good now. And then straight away after he dies, Zoe calling him a shit. It's just unintentionally hilarious. That's the kind of level of band that's at. Honestly, I'm retroactively changing my rating to a three. Because it is a lot shitter than I first thought. <laughs> One of us. Now the Fear of the Daleks ratings are unanimous. <laughs> All right, Jacob. Uh, at the bottom, Fear of the Daleks. It's... It's shit. I don't think it really plays into any of like the arc stuff that they do with Zoe because I know they do an arc with Zoe. Uh, well, I mean, it kind Chronicles. of starts it because it's kind of showing ooh, because it's Zoe from the future, kind of trying to remember. Where, yeah, and then, do and then you don't get introduced to the character, no. But it just it starts off in the sense that it kind of introduces this as like, yeah, this is what we're gonna do with Zoe. It's just the idea, which you can kind of skip. I'm guessing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's it's not good. Um, it tries to. Sh- it's one. Of, it's one of those t- times where Big Finish fails to shoehorn in a gap where there isn't really a gap. Um, yeah, I mean, it's pretty clear in the Dominators. He's just finished doing the, the mental the projection. projection yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, after that, the beautiful people. It's good. It's got some issues. The format's weird. Um, right above that, the Bluetooth. Carol and John makes this story, and Nick Briggs is always fun as the Cyberman. And at the top, Frostfire, because it's Mark Platt, Marine O'Brien is great, uh, and there's just it's it's a fun historical type thing. Indeed, I think the I think uh, yours and uh, yours and mine are the only two that uh, that perfectly matched up. Uh, my mine goes the same here: Fear of the Daleks, Beautiful People, Bluetooth, and Frostfire at the top. But I am interested because. Uh, uh, because I'm, uh, we all said Frostfire was our favorite, except Marcus. So I'd kind of like to talk a bit about that. Uh, what what makes you think it's better than Frostfire, Marcus? Um, not, I, to, I, not, to put, not to put you on the spot like that. I'm sorry. No, no problem. No problem. Just, I think it's because I, at this point in my watching of the show, I am the least familiar with the first Doctor and Stephen and, and well, just Vicky. Plainly, I've seen a, and heard a lot of Stephen stuff, but it's more so that. I found the Bluetooth really gripping. Like, I found the mystery really gripping. I found the atmosphere really tense. You know what? I mostly agree with that. But I think the only thing that really does bring it down for me is the fact that it doesn't feel 
like a complete story. Liz's Liz's main point for telling this story is completely dropped by the end and just never brought up after her opening monologue. For me, the yeah, tension kind yeah. of falls flat as well. Yeah, and the way the story ends is like, okay, did she leave because of the doctor or did she leave because of units? Oh well, it's it's the doctor, but you know m- more on that <laughs> come uh, come uh, so, Martin, later just next year. Like building on what you were saying, have you seen uh, the rescue, the Romans, and the Crusade? Uh, no, I. Oh I, no, you heard the Crusade recently. Yeah, no, I'm doing the audio reconstructions, and I'm doing them as they're released on Audible. So I, um, Volume One is the only one out now, and that's Marco Polo: The Reign of Terror. The Crusade, Galaxy Four, and the Myth Makers. So you haven't heard. So you haven't seen Rescue or Romans. No, I have not. Well, that might explain why you're not too keen on Frostfire because um, Vicky's character is very like the Crusade has bits of a character development, but very much the Rescue and the Romans is what very much in endears me at least towards it and uh, makes a character very you know interesting and fun to listen to so maybe once you've seen those two stories and go back to frostfire i think that might improve your opinion because then you'll know vicky a bit better yeah i I think so yeah i think knowing knowing the seeing the rescue and knowing what happens to her in the rescue and her rationale for joining the talus it you need to know that i kind of really get vicky because it's a huge part of her character yeah and i did also really like vicky just in the dalek occupation of winter Oh, yeah, yet. she's excellent in that. Uh, Adalka Occupation of Winter is a wonder. You, oh, you still haven't heard Early Adventures Series 5, Dylan? Uh, I still haven't heard all of Series 3 and Series 4. I've actually just ordered them because somebody was doing a clear out of like a big finish and it was like a five or a CD, so I got all the Early Adventures I don't have up to the end of Series 4. So You'll, you'll like Series 4 and I think you'll I hope you'll like Series 3. Uh, I've, I've, heard, I've actually um, not heard any Traveler and like that. I've actually, th- three and four, series three and four of the early adventures are the two series that I have heard none of. I've heard all of series one, two, and five, though. Early adventures is great. I need to listen oh, to Oh, I love the early adventures. They're wonderful. So, ah, shit, this is only 15 minutes. Fucking hell. <laughs> well, I- I've got some more things to talk about, the Companion Chronicles, actually. All right, go ahead. So uh, this first series is very much like a lot of Big Finish goes experimental, but this is very much the most experimental in the first like kind of set of releases Big Finish has gone because even the main range, they kind of knew what they wanted to do with this. They kind of really didn't know what they wanted to do. So maybe that's why this first season looks quite weak on paper when you look at our scores for the stories. But don't let that put you off if you haven't heard many Companion Chronicles or any Companion Chronicles yet, because there are a lot of brilliant ones out there and the reason is it's just it's a difficult format and it's one they didn't really know where they're going to go with it but it really improves later on when they kind of hone it and get writers who keep on coming back and writing more of them and kind of really get it and those will include like um jacqueline rene uh, and simon gurrier and jonathan morris and people like that and it just out of all of the big finish, what it does really specially is, as we discussed earlier, character building and world building. And that's something I absolutely love in Doctor Who, and often actually gets a little bit neglected in, in the main range, which is definitely more kind of action-oriented Doctor Who, especially the newer releases. The older releases do go a bit more experimental, a bit more out there and world building and things like that. But the Companion Chronicles always experimenting, always looking at the characters, and always building up these fantastic worlds, which, as I said, they... 
even though some of them I haven't heard them for like three or four years, I can still recall the vision I have in my mind while listening to them years later. And that just shows how well crafted some of them are. They're beautifully written, and it's a beautiful range that you should definitely check out more if you haven't heard many. Yeah. I'd argue, I'd argue that the experimental nature is because the main range was forced to stop doing experimental stories essentially once the new show started. Like they wanted to go back to more standard Who stories to bring more uh, people in. Yeah, yeah. So Companion Chronicles sort of works as a compromise to give us that fun experimental stuff. I wish they'd do more experimental stuff from the main range, because nobody wants the, like, the kind of same generic, boring, repetitive, bog-standard Doctor Who, which is basically what the main range has become, bar the occasional good release. The Chameleon trilogy, recently. Everyone go listen to that. It's a wonderful idea, and it shows what Chameleon really could have been on TV if they got him working properly. Also, Chameleon, the Max the trilogy so far has been pretty good. Yeah, the Mag Trilogy is great so far. Um, love that one. But anyway, um, I, one thing I did want to bring up about the, about the Companion Chronicles is one of the things I love when they do later on is when they hone in on a specific character and have a couple releases across a couple different series um, really uh, focus on that character and develop them if they were underdeveloped on TV, i.e. Sarah Kingdom, uh, uh, Stephen, Vicky. Oh, not Vicky, but, you know, Vicky later on in her timeline, you know, when she's Susan not gets with a couple of Barbara. decent Vicky actually got a lot of development on TV. Yeah, I, the I, David I think, stories. Yeah, I think specifically though, when Ian and Barbara leave and she's with Stephen, it's it becomes a, uh, a bit more of a generic relationship. Not yeah. that either, either, not that either of the characters are, are generic whatsoever. I think the reason for that is David Whitaker had less of a hand in the series at that point. Oh yeah, and that was mostly season three stuff um, with Stephen and Vicky, yeah. and David Whitaker didn't write a single story in that season. Yeah, Although he would have had less influence over it as well. Um, yeah, so, uh, I, I guess I'll end this now, whatever, fuck it. Anyway, <laughs> um, oh yeah, last thing, of course, um, anything else to plug? Uh, uh, channel-wise, series that we're working on, anyone? Well, I mean, aside from my channel, which you already plugged, thank you, head over to Nick Arney Productions and check out his story, Doctor Who Civil Destruction. I pulled a Fraser Hines and played the second Doctor and Jamie. Oh, I know Nick Arney. Yeah, he's wonderful. He's wonderful. Um, yeah, shout out to Nick Arney, or, um, who will actually be playing the role of George in uh, Revelation come next month. So, yeah, he's excellent. And actually, he was in the sneak peek, so um, he's he's great in that too. Um, yeah, of course, check out Marcus's channel, uh, check out Dylan's channel, and Jacob's channel. Jacob is being a madman uh, like he is and going through the entirety of not just TV Doctor Who, but um, all most most of the full cast, uh, big finished audios. It, it's it's fucking insane, and if you want to watch his journey on that, you can go check out his channel. It's amazing. as I slowly descend into madness. <laughs> can I? What can I am? Um, my hands raised here. Can I request something, Jacob? Depends on the request. <laughs> no, it's all right. You're not. I'm not going to ask you to suck me off. Uh, so basically, what I want you to do is do a live stream where you read a book, and it's just <laughs> you reading a book, and you occasionally make a comment on it, and that's the whole live stream. <laughs> Depends on the book. Time Worm Genesis. <laughs> no, I've got a better idea, actually. Um, so, read Time Worm Gen Genesis and take a shot every time there's something which is out of character for the Doctor. Ew, he's going to be dead by the end of that. that might, let's see. Um, give that a year and then we might be able to get that working. <laughs> oh, yeah, because you're often fucking Yankland, aren't you? Yep. You're <laughs> 
Um, oh, and and Dylan's channel. Uh, have you haven't set a date for the new live stream, have you? Oh yeah, yeah. Sorry, I I keep on having to cancel that because of things. I'm, it's definitely going to be next week. Like so, so Dylan has a, new, it. Has, has a new clusterfuck of a live stream coming up with me, Brian, and Jerry. Um, and whenever we'll that be, is scheduled, we'll, we'll be discussing Stephen Muffat finales for the most part of it. And we're yeah, gonna also watch- as of yesterday, nine hundred subs. Oh shit! Really? I didn't even yeah. know. Congratulations. There we go. So the the content on my channel's been a little like kind of dried up lately, and that's been because of coursework. But now I'm free. I'll be completely free once I finish my exams. Uh, yeah, I'll be able to get back to my regular uploading schedule. Awesome, awesome. Um, all right, and of course, uh, you know, regular content on my channel. I mostly advertise the novel adaptations. Um, commentaries are becoming a pretty big thing on this channel, um, which is great. Uh, it was a really experimental series that I wasn't sure if it was going to take off, but apparently a lot of people like them. So, um yeah, glad to keep those going. All right, so thank you guys all for coming on. Um, it was a fun time. Shorter podcast than usual, but, you know, it was still, still a decent conversation. You could fill the dead space at the end with just uh, a video of Jacob reading a book. Jacob, can you send me a video of you reading a book? It's, it's, it's I don't know. <laughs> well, I guess we'll find out by the time this comes out. All right, so I guess... Uh, for the next couple of minutes, you'll either be watching Jacob read a, read a book or listening to the closing theme of the Celestial Podcast. I'll see you all next time. Goodbye!